The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus said, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and kick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades, where he was being tormented. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father, Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So this week we are concluding a uh, sort of three-week mini-series on the basics of our faith. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, uh, you, you know that uh, we have been talking about one particular framework or pattern that helps us think about what the Christian church is called to do. We could talk about other things as well, but I have actually found this to be a helpful distillation. It's from an important 20th century theologian who suggested that at its heart, at its core, the Christian church, all of us, do three things. We worship, we serve the poor, and we evangelize. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about worship. Last week, we talked about serving the poor. You can find those messages on our social media channels if you're interested and you weren't here. Today, we're gonna talk about how we share God's love with the world, how we evangelize. And I wanna start our reflections on that topic today, not with a theologian or a Bible passage, but with a comedian. Some of you may have heard of him. His name is Jim Gaffigan. Anyway, by a show of hands, who knows Jim Gaffigan? Okay, quite a few of you. Before I share this little bit that he does, those of you who don't know him need to know that Jim Gaffigan is a faithful Christian. He and his wife are actually faithful Catholics. So, and he tells a lot of jokes about Catholicism and the church, but I want you to understand he is doing that from the inside, from a place of love. He's not throwing stones at the church, okay? So no emails to me about this later. Just send them to Jim if you want. And what you need to understand as well, as I set up this little bit, is um, 
what I'm about to say probably wouldn't be particularly funny in the context of a church. So you have to imagine you're listening to this comedian, an internationally known comedian, at a non-church setting. Some of the people who go to hear Gaffigan may know that he's a Christian or a Catholic. Many probably don't, okay? So, and I don't actually know if he opens his whole show, this particular show with this, but he does tee up this particular bit by saying this. He says, so I do want you all to be comfortable today, tonight, which is why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. That's what they do at his show. And then he goes on to say, is anything more uncomfortable or awkward than a stranger walking up to you and saying, hey, I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. And Gaffigan's like, hey, I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> and he goes on to say, it's not even a question of whether you're religious or not. He said, you could go up to the Pope and say that, and he'd be like, hey, hold, that, hold it there, stranger. I like to keep my work at work. <laughs> so we laugh at that. Why? Because there's more than a little bit of truth in it, right? In our, maybe this has always been true, but in our culture particularly, if, so, if a stranger did come up to you and said, hey, I'd like to talk to, you about, talk to you about Jesus, it would be uncomfortable and awkward. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Okay, and yet, here we are in church, worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who not only invited but commanded us to spread God's love to the world. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that, I, all that I have commanded you. So the question this morning is, how do we resolve that tension? The, the truth, and I do think it's a truth, that going up to someone or being on the receiving end of someone saying, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus, is not a particularly helpful way to open a conversation about God, with the fact that we are called and even commanded to share God's love with the world. And I actually want to point this morning to another famous person, this is not a joke, I'm being quite serious about this, who I think at least can help us reflect on how we might think about sharing God's love in a way other than simply going up and saying, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? And the person I'm thinking of here is Queen Elizabeth II, who of course just died, her funeral was last Tuesday, last Monday, excuse me, uh, Monday. And I'm going to actually ask this question again. If I asked you um, to come up with one word that would summarize Queen Elizabeth's seven decades long reign, what are some words that would come to mind? Fair? Fair? Fair. Okay. What was that? Service. Service, thank you. Others? Sorry? Respectful. Respectful. Steadfast. Steadfast. What was another one I missed? Spectacular. Spectacular. Okay. Those are the kind of words I would have expected would come up. Consistent, faithful, continuity, all those things. If I stood up here for the next hour and continued to ask that question, you know what word almost certainly wouldn't come up? Evangelist. And yet... Queen Elizabeth, I think, I'm happy to be corrected about this, but I think her funeral service was now, is now the most watched event on television. Some, is that true? Some of you have heard that maybe? More than four billion people have watched it. And if you, go, you can go back and check this out. 
As her casket, her coffin, is being brought in to Westminster Abbey, what are the first words that are spoken or sung in that beautiful house of worship? I am the resurrection and the life. A distillation of the Christian gospel. And I've got this number about right. If you count up the number of explicit Christian references in both that service at Westminster Abbey and in her committal service uh, at St. George's Chapel at Windsor, it's about 200 times that more than 4 billion people heard words like Jesus or God or eternal life or resurrection. Okay, now don't misunderstand me. I'm not here using Queen Elizabeth II for the sake of trying to pick up the particulars of how she lived. Unless I'm mistaken, is, is anyone here planning to be the king or queen of England? <laughs> Un unlikely? Okay. Um, and I doubt if any of us are going to have a state funeral at Westminster Abbey, right? So the, the sort of platform, let's call it, or the scale is not my point. My point is to look at the pattern of how the queen lived her life which I'm gonna suggest, again, this is a series that's on the basics of faith. I'm maybe oversimplifying, but I think it's fair. She lived her life by trying to do her job well, faithfully, right? And in a parallel way, at a personal level, she attempted to follow Jesus. She lived her life as a Christian. The Archbishop of Canterbury talked about that very beautifully in the sermon which didn't mean she walked around saying to people, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? She wasn't afraid to talk about Jesus. She did it periodically. She was open about her faith, but it wasn't what she led with. Instead, again, she did her work and did it well, and she lived out her faith. And here's the point. God was able to use that pattern to help share the message of God's love with the world, okay? And my modest point this morning is that we can follow that same pattern. Do what God is calling you to do and do it well, whether that means a son, a daughter, a mother, a father, a grandfather, a grandmother, a business person, a banker, a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, whatever God has called you to do. Do that well, and then live your life of faith uh, openly and unapologetically, among other things, by the way, by doing the things we talked about the last couple of weeks, by being intentional about worshiping and caring for the poor, and it may be that people pay attention to that. Now, lest you think, Tim, I'm not sure you're quite hitting the bullseye here. This is about evangelism, and again, you're supposed, to, as Christians, we're supposed to tell people about Jesus. I don't disagree with that. I'm just talking about how do we do it in a way that's actually effective, that works. And to reinforce this point, I wanna lift up a couple of quotes from people who are more famous than I am. One of them is from Martin Luther, you may know this one. This is actually a quote that's attributed to him. He may not have said He may or may not have said it. If he didn't, he should have. Um, <laughs> and it's about what, how is a, a shoemaker called to be faithful? And here's what he says. 
The shoemaker isn't called to be faithful by putting little crosses on the shoes that he or she makes, right? By saying, in other words, can I tell you about Jesus? The shoemaker is faithful by making good shoes. Okay? That's Luther. The other person I'm going to lift up is Arthur Brooks. I've mentioned him before. He's going to be here in October, on October 13th, to kick off the Faith and Life series. This is um, from his interview in the current issue of Inspire magazine. Some, you may have read this already, but it bears repeating. Um, this is in response to a question about the, exactly this topic. How do we share our faith in today's world? And here's what he says. As Christians, we are ob obligated, privileged, really, to live our faith publicly. Now listen to this, though. He says this doesn't necessarily mean overt proselytization, though. In other words, it doesn't mean we walk up to strangers and say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Which we've already established probably will not be helpful. Instead, what does he say? He says, in a secular world, the best kind of evangelism is often worldly excellence. Do your job and do it well with faith that we express in a relaxed, cheerful way. Just be great at your job and upright in your life and include your faith in all you do. Do your job and do it well and tend to your own faith life. And then he concludes by saying this. When we do that, people will find that magnetic. I love that last word, magnetic. Among other things, what does it mean? It means that maybe if we follow again the example of Queen Elizabeth II and work at being excellent in our jobs and faithful in our faith, the world will notice. And maybe God will draw people to us who observe the way we are living and who think to themselves, I want some of that. I want some of that meaning and significance and purpose and peace that I see in all of you. Doesn't mean that you then have to say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? But it does mean that they may very well ask about him. And when they do, please be respond or be prepared to answer and talk about him. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Loving God, we thank you for these three weeks when we contend to the basics of our faith. We thank you for drawing us together in worship, for sending us out to serve the poor, and also for being carriers of your love to a world in need. We pray you will open our hearts to receive your love here so that we can share it with others. In all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.